Yeah, he's um, he's a legend, man. I mean, I mean, he uh, he turned that franchise around. You know, it's uh, um, pretty impressive, obviously, what he's done with his career, but just for that city in general. Um, you know, um, great with the fans, great with the people. Um, uh, he was the guy that led our team, so um, he's a legend. What did he mean to you? Oh, I mean, he was. Uh, he was like uh, he was like a brother, you know. It was um, you know amazing to come up with him at the same time. Obviously, he was uh, a lot more mature than than I was uh, coming into the league and ahead of his years too. Um, but uh, yeah, so so uh, great to come in with him and uh, a lot of a lot of great memories. Just um, you know, on the ice, off the ice, as roommates. Um, you know everything so uh and i was very fortunate and lucky that i was able to come come in with them at the same time and spend all those years together okay so that's patrick kane of the new york rangers that does still sound weird talking about his former teammate jonathan taves tonight uh in chicago it is you know the end of an era like that's it jonathan taves uh, and the Chicago Blackhawks hosting the Philadelphia Flyers. These were the two teams that we saw in the Stanley Cup Final 2010 uh, with the official rise of the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, here come the Hawks, shades of 1961 and that drought uh, ending in 2010. Patrick Kane, John the Daves, Duncan Keith go right down the list. Uh, Brent Seabrook, Nicholas Chalmerson keep going and 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 and. It's a powerhouse team, uh, and they won three Stanley Cups, and they showed what happened in a salary cap universe. Uh, after you win Stanley Cups, uh, you need to shed skin and then recharge, and they did it successfully, winning the Stanley Cup three times. And as someone, and I wish I had the person's name handy, and I apologize that I don't, um, Jonathan Taves, last man standing, and as someone uh, tweeted me this week, the captain is going down with the ship. He is from that era, the last player uh, on this team. I don't think for a second that Jonathan Taves, um, in his mind, is done playing hockey. I still think that Jonathan Taves wants to play. Uh, doubtful whether there's still a place for him within the Blackhawks organization uh, as Cal Davidson looks to um, transform that team and rebuild that team. Um, I, one would suspect that if Taves is playing somewhere next year in the NHL, it's somewhere else. I know the romantic story is Winnipeg. Just bracket that for a second here. Uh, end of an era tonight, 15 games around the NHL this evening. Um, some positions still up for grabs in, you know, every uh, division except for, um, the Atlantic. Uh, so the Metro, the Central and the Pacific, uh, I'll look to have some seating ramifications for the game tonight. Second last day of the regular season and the end of an era in Chicago. Jonathan Taves, we suspect, his last game in a Chicago Blackhawks uniform. Now, I was taught very early in my radio career, which started in... <laughs> Like 1994, 1995. Uh, at the Fan 590 in Toronto, that's back when it was owned by Telemedia, and it was uh, up at uh, Young and Eglinton. And one of my program directors there would always pound into me, don't let your listeners write your punchlines, i.e., you know, don't rely on having a good show based on who's going to call and have something interesting to say, based on the opposite. Now, that was the era before Twitter. And so yesterday on the QOD, and I want to get to the Penguins here, folks, and I'm going to get to the Islanders as well, Elliot Friedman on the other side. 
Yesterday's question of the day sort of revolved around the Jordan shoes that went for $2.2 million. And the question was something along the lines of, what would you pay stupid amounts of money for? And there were some quirky answers that came in. Uh, Mike Milbury's shoe from the infamous uh, MSG incident between um, that poor fan who had his shoe ripped off after he was thrown down by Peter McNabb. That was a Rangers-Bruins game, by the way, folks. Uh, Someone also submitted Harvey the Hound's tongue. Hello, Mac T, uh, if you're watching or listening. Um, so today's QOD, thought we'd have some fun with this one, and the responses so far have been excellent. If the Hockey Hall of Fame had a wing of strange or a wing of ridiculous or a wing of weird, what would you put in it? Uh, to which Colin Inslee responded, Brett Hall's left skate. Oh, just trolling Buffalo hard. Oh, the the pumpkin that was carved into that final goal as well. That would be a good one to have in the Hockey Hall of Fame. The t-shirt, the whole deal. Still love how Hall trolls Buffalo Sabres fans with that one. That's a good one. Uh, Charles Bradley Stewart submits Roger Nilsson's white towel. Well, it's part of a statue uh, in Vancouver. The uh, the we're getting screwed statue. Where does the sense of martyrdom come from? Uh, so have your say at the QOD. We'll go over some of these uh, in a couple of moments when uh, our producer Matt Marchese stops by. Going to be an interesting one. Interesting one today. So random player of the day returns. Uh, Dave Jackson's going to stop by an hour or two. Former NHL official, now ESPN rules analyst. And we'll talk about the nature of officiating down the stretch, this close to the playoffs and into the playoffs. And also the question about players' reputations and how much they come in to play uh, when you're deciding on calls or maybe more importantly, when you're deciding to not make calls. So uh, Dave Jackson stops by in uh, in hour two, and Tyler Stewart comes up at the bottom of the hour. Now, if you don't know Tyler, he's a former e-bug for the St. Louis Blues, and yes, Maple Leafs have signed another goaltender to an ATO. We talked about it yesterday, Samuel Richard from the uh, the new uh, University of New Brunswick Reds. Um, outstanding uh, U-Sports goaltender. He will back up Joseph Wall tonight in the game against the uh, the New York Rangers, the Maple Leafs and the New York Rangers. So we thought we'd have a conversation about e-bugs and the nature of e-bugs and what e-bugs talk about. Um, do they have a group chat? Uh, if so, what do they discuss? And are there... Are there payoff discrepancies from team to team to team, i.e., does an e-bug in Toronto make as much as an e-bug in St. Louis, or does an e-bug in Dallas make as much as an e-bug in Los Angeles? You see where I'm getting to, right? We'll talk to Tyler Stewart about the e-bug phenomenon coming up at the bottom of the hour. In the meantime, let's get going here. Elliot Friedman on the other side. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. E-bug talk at the bottom of the hour. Also, the uh, Hall of Hall of Ridiculous or the Hall of Strange, that conversation coming up. And also reading, well, stealing other people's mail. We'll get to that in a couple of moments as well with Marchese. Meantime, Elliot Friedman, Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. Do you have, Elliot, before we get going on the Islanders and the Penguins, anything that would belong in a... In a hall of ridiculous. Now, Joel Darling, <laughs> I got to get this in here. Joel Darling, listening to the show, just texted in. This is a good one for the hockey hall of ridiculous. Dave Hodge's pen that he flipped. Oh, that's a good somewhere one. in the hockey hall of ridiculous. Great one, Joel Darling uh, from Hockey Night in Canada and the NHL on Sportsnet. Is there something that's, you know, weird, quirky, bizarre, 
for you that maybe belongs in the uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame if they had a ridiculous wing? Well, first of all, I hope I hope Joel's pension is fully vested now that he made that suggestion. Um, <laughs> uh, you know what? You know what I was thinking about is. Um, like, uh, if, if you go back to, like, so, like, you're a real big hockey nerd, and I say that lovingly. If you go real, yeah, go you. back to some of the, like, the old days, like, just some of the documentation of, you know, how the NHL was formed. Like, I bet you some of that stuff is mm. written on, like, cocktail napkins and things like that. And, uh, like, if you what? go back, like, there was, there was, like, what I was thinking of in the 60s, was apparently there was an agreement made, like over drinks, where the Leafs agreed to sell Frank Mahovlich to the uh, Blackhawks for like a million dollars, and the morning after yep. they went back on it, and I'm sure that was like scratched so out over a napkin. Like one of the things I remember covering when Isaiah Thomas and the Raptors had their divorce, um, like Thomas submitted like a proposal on like I don't know like a scratch of paper or something like that that basically was like Maple Leaf sports and entertainment. And I can't remember the exact story, but I all like how many great uh, conversations or ideas have been written down on like like a cocktail napkin or a scratch piece of paper. And those are the things I would like to see. You know, so by the way to your point about the Frank Mahovlich trade, I'm glad you brought that up. Here we are on April 13th, you know, second last day of the NHL season, and we're talking about the Frank Mahovlich proposed trade. But here we go. That was written, you're right, it was at the bar yeah. at um, the Royal York Hotel on Front Street. It was over a lot of drinks, and everybody involved were overpoured, as we like to say, and it was for a million dollars. And they had at the hockey, not at the Hockey Hall of Fame, but I saw it at the the Hockey Hall of Fame Resource Center. Uh, I think when I was there with uh, one of the times I was there with Phil Pritchard, Phil showed it to me. They have that. That is at the Hockey Hall of Fame Resource Center, and I'm with you. I find that stuff endlessly fascinating. I can look at all that old history, historical documentation, hundred percent. Like you know, Jeff, like like you don't drink, and I'm practically an alcoholic. Um, like, uh, I, I have to say that I can't tell you how many things that I've sorted out in my life, whether it's uh, an idea for, you know, what I'm thinking about my life or my career, or like even like an argument I've gotten into with someone where you settle it at like a bar or at a table at a bar. Like, uh, just like a lot of my. Like I, I've got a lot of issues, Jeff, but a lot of my issues have been sorted out <laughs> in those kinds of situations. <laughs> uh, that's that's awesome. You know, so one day we're going to be wondering about you know where the email trains went around trade deadline time for proposed deals going back and forth. Those uh, we've talked about those before in GMs writing books and belonging to the, the history of hockey, etc. But um, those are good offerings. Uh, and yes, the Hall of Fame does have what you're referring to, and bring me more of that. Um, the big story today is, well, there's a few big stories. The end of an era in Chicago, Jonathan Tate, yeah. I believe his last game was a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, uh, but we've got to talk about it. last night and the Pittsburgh Penguins and 
The Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Islanders. The Islanders beat the Montreal Canadiens, and that's it for the Penguins. They'll finish out tonight facing off against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Before we get to the Islanders, what happens next with Pittsburgh? Like, well, what, I think what, what that, do they the, do the fir- here? Well, I don't think we're going to have to wait long to find out. Uh, I, I really don't. Um, they, uh, like, if you look at Fenway's history, particularly with the Red Sox, when they want to make changes, they make them quickly. And uh, they, so I think we're going to know fast, regardless of which, whatever way this is going, uh, in terms of at least what changes will be made. I think we're going to know really fast. So that that's number one, what I'm thinking. Um, number two, I, I like, I think the Penguins had already decided that they were going to make some changes in the way they approach things. Um, you know, there, there's been a lot of talk that they will build out their analytics department, uh, that that's really coming. I heard that uh, at the, uh, at the outdoor game that that was, that was a project that the organization was going to work on. Um, so I, I think that's going to happen uh, regardless. But like, like, like in terms of what they're going to do with management, uh, I, I think we're going to know quick, Jeff. Okay. We will uh, we'll stand by for that. And, and I, I did miss this. So I want to throw this in here uh, to, to what you referred about the Blackhawks announcing Taves. Uh, Kyle yeah. Davidson this morning uh, announcing uh, that uh, Taves will not be re-signing uh, this offseason. And tonight will indeed be his final game as a, uh, as a Blackhawk. L- let's just uh, have a quick convo about that. Your thoughts on this one? I had someone earlier tweet into me, the, the captain's going down with the ship. He's the last player remaining. It's the, the end of an era, 2010. Here come the Hawks all over again. It's, you know, shades of, of 1961. You know, I can recall, because we were both working for Hockey Night at that time, and I remember going into those playoffs, you know, going back and either listening to interviews or, you know, reading news articles after the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup in 1961. And there were a lot of players, like, if you heard the nature of the how they talked about winning in, in 61, that Ed Litzenberger team, it almost sounded as if, they had won what they thought was going to be the first of many Stanley Cups through yep. the 60s. It didn't happen. The Maple Leafs rattled off four. But that Blackhawks team kind of had that same vibe and that same spirit. You know, after they won in 2010, we still thought that there would be more and they were going to be the emerging powerhouse in the NHL. They won two more. Now Jonathan Taves is the last man standing from that group. It's appropriate. He's the captain. Uh, your thoughts on, you know, Jonathan Taves and, and, you know, his history as a Hawk and maybe what comes next? Well, I, I have to say I was a little surprised with some of the messaging this morning. Um, I was under the impression that this decision had been made a long time ago by the organization. Like, if you look what happened with Patrick Kane, I, I think Kane wanted to stay another year, and it was made pretty clear to him that, that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And uh, so like, maybe there was another conversation. I mean, evidently there was another conversation about it in Seattle when they were there last week. But really, I think in a lot of ways, the organization had decided last summer that this was going to be it. And they were, they were going to move on. And, um, you know, I, 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 so, that, so that's not a surprise to me. Um, in any way, shape, or form, I, I think the organization had made it had made a decision some time ago that it was 
this was where they were going. And maybe, like, I think Kane held out, held out hope that might change, and maybe Chase held out hope that that might change. And I think sometimes you hear, yeah, okay, the organization's going to move on, but you don't really believe it until it happens, right? So I think yeah. the thing with Kane is this. I work Taves is this, Jeff. I think it's all going to come down. I don't think he 100% wants to retire. Um, I just nope. think it's, it's, it comes down to his health. Um, you know, his body's been through a lot. You know, when he was sick this year, like, it really knocked him. Like, we already know he missed time during the COVID year, uh, the COVID-shortened season. And this year when he was out, you know, it really did a number on his body. Like, it, 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 like he was way out of shape when he, when he started skating again. Like, that's how tough it was on him. And um, I just think it comes down to that. Like, number one, is there a place available that he wants to go? And number two, how does he feel? And I think those will make the determinations as much as anything else. Okay, back to um, what we saw last night. Uh, Penguins are out, and the Islanders are in. And this has been an interesting season for the Islanders. There were plenty of times where we said, okay, this team is done, this team is cooked, this team is too old. From a roster composition point of view, we speculated that, you know, look, the aging curve has caught up to them eventually and eventually is now. Um, how do we look at the Islanders now through uh, through all of this? You know, the the season was interesting. Uh, the Bohorvad trade was a monster. Um, how do you look at the Islanders right now for each? Uh, I think that, uh, well, first of all, they probably made this a lot more interesting than they expected it to be. Um, I think there's a few teams at the bottom of the playoff chart, Islanders, Winnipeg. They would kind of look at it and say, wow, we thought it wasn't going to take until game 81 or 82 to sort this out. And I think the Islanders would definitely be one. Um, but the thing is, uh, you know, it's interesting. I think, I, I think Boston obviously is, is really good, really, really, really good. And whoever wins the, the Metro, whether it's Carolina or Jersey, like I think that team is really good. But I'm surprised at the amount of people who think that Florida and the Islanders are going to give these teams a bit of a problem. And, you know, the, the one thing is once you get there, you can breathe again, right? Um, you know, I, the, the pressure, when you're a lower seed, the pressure's not so much on you. Maybe the internal pressure is on you, but nobody really expects you to win. And the Islanders can take a deep breath right now and say, and reset. Now, I think we, you've got Sorokin in a seven-game series. He's a potential difference yep. maker. And, you know, but I think, you know, the health of Barzell and what he can do, that's going to be a big one too. That, to me, is the wild card in all of this. If it ends up being the Islanders and the Boston Bruins, that's the, that's the wild card. Like, I, I'm with you. Like, it, it's obvious. Like, the, the obvious statement, like, Boston's really good. Duh. Like, we, we've seen Boston all year long. I, I just wonder about them up against Sorokin and the wild card. And we're not going to get anything out of, you know, the Islanders until game one. That one, that one could be at least a little bit of a difference maker for the Islanders if they end up facing the Bruins. Yeah, in the opening uh, round. Either but. one, Bruins or like it, Bruins or like 
like you can't win or the or the other team whether it's carolina or uh whether it's carolina or jersey like the like or actually i don't think they can play jersey i think it's anyway whatever it is i i think that the the, the situation there with the islanders is i think in the playoffs you have to be able to score it's tighter it's really tight but you you cannot win in the playoffs if you can't score this league, and like you used to be able to win seven game series, one nothing, two nothing, two uh, one. I don't think you can do that anymore, yeah. Jeff. You, you have to score in this league. Yeah, you do. Um, Calgary Flames season is done. Last yep. game was yesterday. Uh, we talked either yesterday or the day before about seeing Dustin Wolf. Uh, we saw him, and you know, I know it's just the San Jose Sharks, but still, he looked good. Like Dustin Wolf looked really good last night for the the Calgary Flames. Um, Matt Coronado as well. Good to see them both do the rookie lap, take separate routes, almost as if it was planned. Uh, the pass <laughs> along the blue line, the whole deal. The parents in the stands, real nice touch. Uh, a yeah. nice way to end it here for the Calgary Flames. We talked about the Flames a little bit yesterday. Um, does the uh, emergence of Dustin Wolf? complicate things for Brad Treliving or whomever is the general manager that needs to make that decision? You see, I look at it this way, Jeff. When you've got a kid like that who's dominated the American Hockey League and he's arguably the MVP, then I don't look at that as a complication. I look at that as a great thing. And to me, like, there's no point in having that kid in the American Hockey League next year. They've got to find a spot for him. So, yes, they will have to do that. Now, the other question you answered, yes, I think we're going to find out reasonably quickly what we're thinking about here with the Flames, um, you know, what True Living wants to do. I've said this a couple times this week. Uh, he was offered an extension. He punted it. Um, I, I think he's, you know, I, I think, like, I, I think that, I don't think it's not that they don't want him back. I just think he has a big decision to make. He's been there a long time, um, and sometimes in life we all need change. So, I think he's deciding if this is the time or if, um, you know, he wants to stay on and, and see it through. Um, you know, I think some of the people around him have been extended, uh, you know, uh, so there is a framework potentially in place if they need it. Like, I think Don Maloney has been extended. I think Craig Conroy has been extended. So, like, I don't necessarily know what, what if that means that that's the situation, but I think they've kind of said, mm-hmm. okay, well, if our GM does leave, you know, we're not going to be in a power vacuum here. They've got something there. So, I, but I, you know, like to me, the other big thing there is we're about to have exit meetings. They've got a bunch of really good players who've got one year left. What are those players going to say? Yep. Like, you know, from the Chris Tanis to the Noah Hannafins to the Tyler Toffoli's to the Elias Lindholm's to the Michael Backlund's, you know, I'm sorry if I'm forgetting anyone. I like to be inclusive. You know, what are what are those guys going to say? Because, you know, I think that that probably yeah. will determine as much as anything else what the future role of the organization is. I I think Sutter's coming back. I, I don't, like, he's got like an 8 million extension there, and he's not a guy who would walk away from that. I mean, I don't know who would. I, I got to think Sutter's coming mm-hmm. back. So all of this is a puzzle that's got to fit. 
Uh, let me ask you about the other Alberta team. A couple of minutes left here. Uh, the Oilers, they'll finish up against the San Jose Sharks tonight. Vegas finishes up against the Seattle Kraken. Uh, two points separate these two teams for first in the Pacific. The Oilers have the tie break uh, with the regulation wins. And to me, that is that is a huge number. Um, yeah. 44 regulation wins. Now, yeah. I don't know about you, but at the beginning of the playoffs, I always look to teams and say, all right, remove the things that don't happen in the playoffs. Three on three, gone. Shootout, gone. Who has the regulation wins? Now, I mean, the Boston Bruins have, let me check, I think it's 53. Yeah, they have 53 regulation wins. Number two in the NHL, the Edmonton Oilers with 44. We've talked a lot about what has happened with Colorado and their surge and the Dallas Stars at 106 points in the Central, and they'll finish up against St. Louis today. Uh, Colorado still has two games remaining. Um, The reemergence of the Vegas Golden Knights has had a lot of attention. But to me, that is a huge number for the Edmonton Oilers that, to me, spells really good things for the postseason. 44 regulation wins. Again, it's not 100%, but generally... Teams that have a lot of regulation wins, Elliot, tend to do well in the postseason. Edmonton Oilers, your thoughts? We've talked a lot about Connor and Leon individually. What about the team? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I generally look at that too, Jeff. I think it's a it's it's generally a really good indicator. So I'm with you on that. My question to you is, as captain of the Rogers cheerleading team, which is what you are, do you want Edmonton <laughs> Winnipeg first round, guaranteeing a Canadian team in the second round, or do you want Edmonton and Winnipeg in different series? Uh, I like to go historical uh, with a lot of my choices, so I will uh, go back to Gretzky versus Howard Chuck and take Edmonton Winnipeg first round. Yeah, I, guarantee, I bet you the Jets fans don't want that because the history isn't very <laughs> kind to them in that one. No, it's not. No, no, no matter how many bags of popcorn hit the ice, I know what you mean. But you know, like, like I, you know, obviously it's in Vegas has control of this, right? They get a point tonight, and it's yes. Vegas, Winnipeg, and it's over. I know, I know that's what Ken yep. Weave wants because, like, uh, he's already got his 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 reservation at the thousand dollar blackjack table. So I know that's what <laughs> Ken wants. We'll, but I I agree. Like uh, like the Oilers last year, it was there was always a feeling of this is a this is a fun ride. Like it's business for them, and and they're a legit contender. Like I agree with you. I think second in the league in regulation wins is is a really impressive stat. Um, you know, the one thing that throws the, the – the one thing to me that has the Western Conference that throws kind of like the whole playoff picture and outlook in the Western Conference is Colorado's health. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, Landis yeah. God, there's history here. Nobody really seems to have a good handle on this one. Um, you know, like, it was funny, like, when, when I talked last week about it's the big mystery injury – I got a call the other day from someone who said, you know he's showing up game one of the playoffs. And I'm like, you know, maybe they're fooling me, but I'm not convinced of that here. But that's, you know, mm-hmm. like, look, like Mark's, Mark Stone, it looks like, you know, he's coming back game one of the playoffs. It looks like it's possible. So, like, you know how everybody here is very cynical in this league for very good reason. But to me, that's the biggest question in the Western Conference, Jeff, is Colorado's health. And how much it changes the whole yeah. equation if everybody starts game one. 
So regulation wins, 53 Boston Bruins, that's number one. 44 Edmonton Oilers, they're number two. 41 in third place are the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep. And they'll finish up their season tonight against the New York Rangers. Uh, nothing another up to grabs E-bug. here. Another ATO. I was going to say, that's what I'm getting to. We have one more ATO goalie, Samuel Richard, uh, UNB Reds, MVP, the whole deal. Uh, we've seen a number of ATO backup netminders here. I guess my question is, does anyone care? And if so, how much? And by how much, I mean, what can be done about it if the people who don't care make the most amount of noise? Yeah, so... The people who do care, rather. Well, you know, we had this conversation the other day, and I talked to you about the pension thing. And, you know, I get that. I I, I understand that. Like, like, I I don't have any... Like, I, I disagree with Weidman on the first night with Alexander. I think that's different. But now that it's at four games... I like. I really understand. Like, I understand. I understand this whole pension thing. I do. And like, Mike McKenna has really ranted about it. And I really understand his position on this. I, I do. I, I think that now it's been at four games. I don't like it as much simply because I do believe it, it is. Like, it's a it's a great story. Like, I'm really happy about this kid Anuska, this kid tonight, and Jed Alexander to play. It's not their fault, <laughs> and I'm happy for them. But but when someone brought the pension up to me, and I'm going to tell you, and like I completely get that. I if it was me in that shoe, I would get it. I'll say this: I think a lot of this is is I I kind of look at this as the evolution of Dubas as a general manager. I wonder if he would have done this five years ago. But I think there is a certain ruthlessness that you have to get to to win in this league as a manager. You have to make decisions that yeah. are going to be unpopular. And, I like, like you know, on, on some level, Dubas is saying, okay, I know a lot of people aren't going to like this, but it's not against the rules, and, I gotta win a, and I'm trying to win a Stanley Cup here. So screw it. We're doing it. And I think there are times in your career as a manager – you have to get up there and say that. I think the key point through all of it was the one that we discussed, I think, yesterday, and that they played Samson off against the Florida Panthers. Yes, that the was the big one. Something yes. to the standings. So that yes. to the uh, the credibility of the game and, again, you know, the Islanders chasing and Pittsburgh Penguins and all that, uh, that's the one that I look at and say they did right for, quote-unquote, good of the game. Uh, and then they took care of themselves after that. Um, yeah. Okay, well, listen, you, uh, you enjoy yourself. It is another uh, lovely afternoon in southwestern Ontario. Enjoy. I know you like your long walks. Uh, enjoy yeah. it if you get out there, and we will chat I soon. Was just, I I'll just did it. I, I got to tell you, I am a genius, Jeff. I was able to walk, do a radio hit, and clip my fingernails all at the same time. You were clipping your fingernails as we just spoke? Oh, yeah, it was great. As you're walking, like down the yeah. street, like crossing street, yeah. put other pedestrians and cars, and you're on the phone. You're like the most distracted person I've ever met. Oh, yeah. Like, I come, uh, like, honestly, there's, there's no question about that. I don't even know how I get through a day, really. I, I don't know how you find your pillow at the end of one. Uh, all right, bud, you be good. We'll, uh, we'll chat soon. All right, buddy, take care. 
There he is, Elliot Friedman. Uh, they're very distracted, cutting his fingernails as he spoke to us, you, me, everybody watching, listening. I'm just talking on the phone, going for a walk and cutting my nails. Uh, there he is, the People's Republic of Elliot Friedman. 